You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Check, mic check, one, two, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. And today we're joined by Josh Raley. Now, if you don't know who Josh is, Josh is kind of my right-hand man here on the network. He helps me out quite a bit. He also is the host of the Wisconsin Sportsman. He is also the host of the How to Hunt Deer Podcast, both excellent podcasts I definitely think you should check out. Um, but, 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 but today we're talking about D, uh, let's see, what are we talking about? We're talking about upgrades, like it's time to upgrade your equipment or modify your equipment. And so we have this conversation on whether or not we're, you know, what products we're looking at upgrading to or buying this upcoming year. For example, uh, my bow is three years old and so I. I need to either uh, poop or get off the pot, so to speak, about how, uh, whether or not I'm going to uh, buy a new bow this year. I'm leaning towards just getting new strings. It's been three years. I should probably get some new strings on it. They're pretty frayed from, you know, me pulling it and pushing it and dragging it through the, the western countryside and, and through the weeds here in Iowa and the thorns. And, and so... I, uh, I'm debating right now, but I think I'm leaning towards uh, getting a new set of strings. Also, it's probably time that I get a new pair of boots, you know, so that's going to be another expense. I've, uh, we talk about some of the upgrades I did to my e-bike uh, to prevent flat tires. And what else do we talk about? Oh, whether or not I modify any of my equipment, and Josh talks about that as well. And so it's a it's a fun episode. Uh, it's one of, it's it's almost a BS session, but we keep it pretty focused on the equipment that that we're looking for this year. If we if we modif- uh, modify our stuff, I'm not I'm not a huge modifier. And this is I, I don't know if I say this in the episode or not, but here is why I don't modify. I feel like if I'm gonna buy something, it should do what I want it to do without any type of modification if that makes sense so call me crazy but uh that's today's episode anyway only one uh one commercial today and that is with hunt stand if you are looking for a mobile hunting app if you're looking for a hunting app that allows you to check weather it allows you to place pins on a map it allows you to look at the latest uh the, the latest satellite imagery, and I mean latest, I mean monthly satellite imagery these guys upload. It allows you to document trail camera, 
photos. It allows you to really strategize and put together a plan for your upcoming hunts. On top of that, it even has a little bit of forecast, like deer movement forecasting. It, recommend, it recommends some of the uh, the upcoming you know, cold fronts that are coming in saying whether or not you should get into the woods. Uh, their pro whitetail platform has a ton of other functionality you should go read up on. And you can find all this on huntstand.com and you can download the app wherever apps are downloaded, uh, like Google Play or whatnot. So uh, go check out huntstand.com, read up on all the functionality that this hunting app has to offer. And that's the only commercial today. Huge shout out to Josh for taking time out of his day. If you guys could please go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast, give the give the Hunting Gear podcast a five-star review, leave a comment, let everybody know how fun and entertaining and educational this podcast is, and uh, spread the word because that's really what it's all about. And that is all I'm going to say. Let's get into today's episode. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we have uh, a member of the Sportsman's Empire here, and we're going to talk hunting gear and equipment, Mr. Josh Raley. Josh, what's up, dude? Yeah, what's going on, Dan? Glad to uh, glad to be on the show. How if are you? I'm doing good. If you hear some noise in the background, it is because we got a roofing crew at my neighbor's house, so... I'm going to try to record a podcast and I can look out my window and I can see him working. So if you hear saws or nail guns go off, that's what it is. Nice. You just go tell them to take a break. Yep. Yeah. Those, those guys don't take breaks. They just work until the job's done and then they go to the next house. I think, dude, I think some of these crews are, are putting on two roofs a day. That's how, oh, fa- yeah. that's how fast they're going. Yeah. We, when that, when we lived in Wisconsin, neighbors across the street had a new roof put on uh they came out had it stripped and the new roof on by like one o'clock that afternoon yeah yeah so they're studs all right uh let's see here i want to kind of get right into it today um and i I want this is almost like a bs session focused on on hunting gear but the first question that i kind of want to throw your way is do you have any big purchases planned or any type of new or exciting products you're going to pick up this for this upcoming season man as i look forward to to fall like for me the e-bike is still on the list yeah. i have not bit the bullet mm-hmm. like like mr johnson and, and made the purchase yet so that yeah. one's still uh still on the list and then um actually with the approval of my wife entertaining the idea of getting a side-by-side for some of our private private ground nice um that would be huge i like hunting private ground but i hunt mostly public kind of the the private is for like the kids and you know taking the wife out and that kind of thing yeah um so i don't think i can get both the side-by-side and the e-bike this year right and so i've got to prioritize that and i don't know which is which but i do know if i get a side-by-side it is going to be the cheapest one that I can possibly find. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's usually how it goes with a bigger purchase like that, man. I, like I said, in previous episodes, I've been lucky to know someone at the e-bike uh, place that I worked and I got a, a huge discount. 
And so yeah. that, that made it a no brainer for me. And then the functionality that came with it and, and how I used it on public land out West, whew, dude, it was, it was just, it was awesome. And so I, uh, I used to talk trash on e-bikes. Now I fully support them. So it's funny how, funny how you change <laughs> as you get older, but, um, yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. Did you, have you read much into or figured out what all you can do with an e-bike on public in Iowa? Because when I was in Iowa hunting turkeys, I saw guys on e-bikes all over the place. Yeah. And I, I question you weren't going to be able to use them. Yeah. So now again, you can't quote me on anything that I, I, I say here, but I can tell you this of all the research that I've done, e-bikes are not only a state by state law, they're also uh, state and federal has their own laws on them. So just because the state allows it doesn't mean the federal land that you could possibly be on. Because I know that um, National Forest and BLM have uh, different looks, and they're, they're both federal, but they're, they each have their own. Um, sometimes it's black and white saying yes to e-bikes, no to e-bikes. Sometimes in certain states, it is, what was it? It was um, only class one is available to go in non-motorized areas. So if it says no motorized vehicles past this point, you cannot, you cannot take an e-bike that has a throttle engaged on it, meaning you have to dis, disengage the throttle so it's only pedal power, right? So the pedal kicks the motor on, which thus counts as a class one e-bike, thus counts as a regular bicycle. So if it's class gotcha. one, it's, it's classified as a regular bicycle because it takes actual pedaling to, to do it. So it's less of a motorized vehicle and more of an assisted vehicle. I, I guess is, yep. is how they how they work it. Now I'll have to go back and look at Iowa, but I think uh, Iowa doesn't have a law on e-bikes, so therefore they're kind of anything goes, and it's under the uh, the decision making of the conservation officer who who would be the person to question you. So yeah. uh, again, I always say take uh, several extra steps, read into it. Uh, I know on some of the grasslands that I was hunting, uh, I could, I had to have my, e, my, my throttle disengaged. So I couldn't have my throttle on my bike. I, it could only be pedal power. And so, uh, and so that's, that's how I was able to use my e-bike. Oh, and, and, and the motor size has to be under 750. Uh, 750 watts, I believe it is. So if it's a thousand, it, it, if it's a thousand, it's, it counts as a, a class two, which is illegal, whether or not the, the throttle is engaged or not. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. It makes total sense. Did you, did you have good, so one of the reasons I've been looking at, at the thousand watt bikes is they have a lot of them. You can get the dual batteries. Yep. Your 750, is that a single battery or a dual battery? It's a, it's a single battery single battery and you were happy with the battery life on it yeah i was happy i was happy with the battery life on it i mean uh it got me if if i wanted to cut it close and run it till it was all the way gone i would have been able to run it for 
probably two straight days of in, like of getting back to and this is up and down some major hills uh i would say and 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 me relying on the bike itself a lot i would say that the e-bike would have got me two and a half days so let's just say going out in the morning coming back going out in an afternoon coming back going out in the morning coming back and then i probably would have had to re redo it now this isn't continuous use this is me leaving my truck going to the uh going out setting my bike under a tree walking up so basically it was just a a distance closer for me i wasn't riding it all over the place and so at that point i i just used it as basically access and then once i got to my point dropped it and then i started moving through the through the hills and, and whatnot so um there are batteries that last longer they have solar power chargers for some of these things now and so uh if you and for me so what i did was on day three i went back into town after my morning hunt and i got breakfast and i for about four hours i just hung out at a truck stop and and they had an outdoor plug-in so i was charging a battery I was charging my battery at this truck stop for about four hours. That got me back up to about 70%. That got me two more days of usage out of it. A couple of those days, um, I walked from my truck and didn't, you know, I didn't really have to take the bike anywhere. But long story short, it's, yeah. I I think this year, though, what my plan is, is that's the that's the purchase actually that I'm going to talk about is I'm going to get another battery for my bike for my e-bike so that way I can stay out longer and not have to come in and uh and change it up. Yeah, that makes sense man. It it concerns me to get way back in. And so like I I took one out last summer, got way back in there. I didn't charge it before I went. I really drained the battery. And I got like three miles deep and then the, the battery starts going dead. And I'm like, oh, this is a long way to lug a 90-pound bike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the the good thing is at least you can at least you can pedal it, right? D- downhills and things like that. So you're not having to push it the whole time. The other big thing that I want, uh, and this whole process cost me an additional $300. And so I got a flat tire in my... Uh, in my on the rear by uh, the rear drive or the rear uh, tire that's i guess that's what i'm trying to say and so i installed these foam uh protectors that go in and so you can get up to like a two inch inch puncture into the tire before it reaches the inner tube that holds the air and so I was because I was out in uh, you know South Dakota and Nebraska, or you no, know, it was just South South Dakota, and there was cactus all over the place out there. And as you know, if you're going ten miles an hour and all of a sudden a cactus pops up on you, you got to make a quick decision. And and I tried my hardest, but it was inevitable at some points. And and it held tight, it held throughout that trip. But then this summer or this spring, when I went shed hunting, uh, I was driving in some bean stubble. 
and one of those things got my back tire and it went flat and so i took it to uh, a shields here in uh, in iowa and they installed it they installed the these uh, foam i guess you want to call them uh protectors tire protectors uh on the inside of the the or on the outside of the tube inside of the tire that are supposed to protect that and so uh hopefully that those play their role uh in this upcoming season yeah did you notice a difference in the ride after putting the different tires on or you know i haven't gone out and other than riding it up and down my street just to make sure it felt good I haven't gone off road or anything on it yet. I'm I, I'm thinking it's going to make the bike a little heavier, and the ride not as smooth. But you can adjust the front suspension uh, to to make it a little better if you wanted to. Nice, nice. Yeah, man, that'd be a good addition. Mm-hmm. A flat tire would not be good way back in. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't like. I, I was thinking. I was thinking. Okay. What would happen if I got this flat and I'm, I was all the way back to where I was that first, that first day I took it back like six miles, uh, from my truck to the part point where I stopped, it was 5.8 miles. And then I hiked up to a Ridge, uh, and that, that put me six miles away from my car and, or my truck. And I was like, dude, if, if something happens to this bike here, I'm going to have, it's going to take me like packing, packing out a deer, you can throw it on your back and you can go, right? It may take two trips, but at least you can go. That, you got to lift over fences. And you still had to, you know, I still had to do that or, take, you know, push it uphill. At least I would have a little bit of the throttle to help me out even on the flat. You know, even with the flat, you can, they, they have walk mode where you can push the throttle and you can walk it up a hill. You know, so okay, yeah, so that that makes it easier, but yeah, it would it would it would really suck to have a flat that far back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, any other products that you th- think you're going to be picking up this year? Man, you know, there's always that. I've always got that thing of of wanting a new bow. Mm-hmm. I don't change bows a lot, but. Um, I haven't really looked at a lot of the 2023 models, but I've had my bow now for, I guess, three years. It's been good to me. It's not been, you know, great by any means, but uh, I've always got that in the back of my head. Like maybe, maybe I should buy a new bow, but, but no real plans for it. No real plans for it. Definitely uh, going to switch things up with arrows this year. Um, you know, do, I, do you know I what have, you're doing? For arrows? Yeah. No, I have... I'm pretty sure I'm going to shoot something from Method Archery. Okay. Um, they they were they were um, Vector Custom Shop. They had to change their name, uh, but they've got uh, the HMR and the ZMR arrows. I shot the HMR last year. They've got a new uh, budget model HMR, which mm-hmm. is it just means it comes with less customized, you know, fewer customizable options. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at those, and then the ZMR is a little bit of a lighter arrow, so. My trajectory with a, you know, a 20, I think I'm a 26 and a half inch draw. So my trajectory is garbage with a 562 grain arrow flying yeah. downrange. There's arch uh, in so it I'm for thinking, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of swapping to the ZMRs because I think they would put me at about that 430, 440 mm-hmm. grain range, which I think is a pretty good range. I, I like to shoot heavier broadheads anyway. Yeah. And so I think, 
I think with that weight, I'll I'll help my trajectory a good bit and still maintain enough weight that that I can be confident on on whatever kind of shot I need to take. Yeah, man, I don't want to I don't want to steer you away if there's something that you really like, but man, I absolutely love day six arrows. That uh, yeah, day six. I don't know if you've ever heard about them. I don't know if you want to go check them out. The, their arrows are legit. They come with an outsert. Uh, on the front end and uh, dude I love them they they are they're one of those products that that I don't necessarily talk a lot about but they bring me confidence they it, when I'm out in the woods I said dude these arrows are straight they're they're consistent they are they're built tough and they're you just look at them and you go they're, they're just well designed and well built and uh, I know the owner and one of the reasons I like those arrows so much is because the owner is one of the most serious bow hunters that I've ever interviewed on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Like, the guy's legit, he's methodical, and when you have a guy like that make a product, and then he's also successful because he's using his product to kill animals all over North America, then then you, then I pay attention to it. And so that's why... I've, I've went with that and then they fly real good. So it's one of those products where I'm just going to keep there. Now here's the kicker They're They are not affordable. Well, they're affordable. If you make them affordable, they're, uh, they're not cheap. They're on the, the high end of the arrow market, but they are legit. And so I, I have no issues. Like for me, I have no issue spending. That's a product that I'll spend money on. Yeah, so that guy, I remember the episode you did with him. Mm-hmm. He hunts like all fall, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Like he's got trip after trip. Yep. Where are they based? Do you remember? Well, you had Aren't put... they in like South Africa or something? They could be. They're in the South somewhere. Texas maybe? I don't know. Okay. I, I forget. I forget which. Uh, I should know this, but I forget. So anyway, give them a, give them a serious look before – before you make a final decision and then uh, at least look at them and read up on them. They're, they're pretty cool. Yeah. What are we talking for a dozen? You know what? I'm just going to pull up their website re- real quick. Cause I mean, right now I think the HMRs are like 170 a dozen or something like that. So well, they're not cheap, but not crazy expensive either. 240 for a dozen. 240. That's not bad. That's, that's in the price range. Wait, uh, yes. Yep. Dozen two forty, and they come. They come fletched, you know, and they have three hundreds. They have four hundreds. They have five hundreds, and uh, I forget what I run, uh, but I should know this too. But uh, but yeah. So my total arrow weight is five twenty four. Was my total arrow weight last year, and that's with a one hundred grain broadhead. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Yep. So they're heavy. Yeah. Nice. Well, they can be heavy if you want want them to. You know, they have yeah. the the outsert can be bigger or smaller depending on your likes. You know, your your likings. Um, you can have a a heavier grain per inch or a uh, a lighter grains per inch. You know, whatever whatever really whatever style you like, they they have like three or four options there for you to choose from, and. Uh, Man, they're they're pretty slick, man. I, I I definitely think people should look into them. Yeah, I'll have to check those out. I had a, a local shop try to talk me into some gold tip, and 
you know, gold tip arrows have been great forever. Yep. Um, they've killed a lot of deer, but I don't know, man. I like, I like a lot of these smaller companies that you can order online and, you know, get your arrows in and they're custom to you. And, um, you know, honestly, a lot of them show up ready to shoot, you know, not oh, a lot yeah. of tweaking needs to be done. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I'll, I'm going to jump in here real quick and I'm going to say, so I have a pair of boots, uh, my crispy Thors that I've had for going on five years now, and they're still in, in pretty good shape except for the waterproofing is pretty much gone out of them. Right. So I apply waterproofing every year, but it's not the same as a new boot. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to have to buy a new pair of boots this, this summer at some point. And so there's yeah. $280, $300 right there for, for those, for those. But you, you take that divided by how many years I actually used them and how much I use them. It, it, it's, it's a no brainer to go with a high quality boot like that. Oh, for sure. I'm, Man, that's see, that's the one thing that I have yet to really sink, I guess, reasonable money into. Yeah. Um, I've got two different kinds of boots that I use. I've got some like Merrill, essentially hiking boots. Yep. And they're not waterproof at all. I like them because they're light. Yep. Um, but then I also use some lacrosse. I think they're like the I forget what they're called. They're like the early season lightweight boots. I don't I don't like you know, insulated boots or anything like that. I don't, I don't want them to be insulated. I've never spent, you know, good money for a good pair of boots. I've never had crispies or anything like that. And that's, that's something that's kind of always on the list, but I seem to find other ways to spend my money. So are you're not a rubber boot guy Mm -mm. anymore, right? You used to wear rubber boots. Yeah. I used to back in the day. However, I just got a pair God dang, I'm going to forget the name. I think it's just light boots. Uh, it's a rubber boot made out of the same material as Crocs. And yeah. so um, I bring those with me when I'm going to check trail cameras. Uh, I'm not going to hunt in them because I, you know, I don't like the way they feel like trying to walk up hills and things like that. Uh, or I'm not going to sit with them in the, you know, in the extreme cold. Or th- you know, but I will say this: they are light. It's almost like wearing a, a heavy pair of socks, man. It, it, they're extremely light. They're waterproof, and they're they're pretty cool to have, especially if it's wet or if you got to cross a creek, uh, going into check a trail camera or something like that, or mud. Uh, they spray off real easy, just like a normal rubber boot. But uh, man, they're legit. I think those boys are out of the south too. So that's a yeah those yeah i'm looking at those they i saw them i got my hands on a pair at the uh world deer expo in alabama last year yeah and they had a they had booth set up and i mean they they seem pretty awesome my only concern with them has been i, I wonder what the sweat factor would be like because yeah. there's I mean, it, any rubber boots gonna make your foot sweat but i don't know man when i wear crocs like i can sweat like a, <laughs> like a the best of them yeah. yeah it gets nasty man yeah. I, i've wondered what it like wearing those but but you're right they are light and i'm intrigued by using those for you know my whitetail hunts that i'm not necessarily hiking in very far especially like my private land stuff yeah like if i'm if my walk is two to three hundred yards do you really need a pair of crispies probably not yeah um if you're heading west I, I think i think you probably want something a little better yeah and that that's where the crossover comes 
right? So the crossover comes me wearing my boots, white those boots, whitetail hunting, and out, out west. So I bought them because I was going out west, and I needed a, a, a durable western boot that also performs very well, you know, here in Iowa too, and in Nebraska and and other places that I'll be going. So I'm going to have those boots as backup, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and buy the exact same pair at the exact same size and, uh, and just turn the, the, the pair that I have into like lawn mowing boots or, you know, work around the house type, type boots. And, and so they never really die. They just get repurposed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense. What kind did you say they were again? What are they called? Crispy Thors. Thors. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. And then, so you mentioned bows too, and I think I've been I've been thinking about getting a new bow this year. This would be year number three with this bow. But then I was like, dude, I like I just liked the bow that I have. For the most part, it performed well. And I shot well out of it, and it, it had little to no hand shock. Of course, it was uh, it was professionally tuned. I brought it in, and I had a guy help me tune the shit out of it, and so that helped. But I think I'm just going to get new strings and cables for it, and uh, just just go, just do it again. So I got the Bowtech solution. Okay. You're not a, you're not a new bow every year guy, even leading up to that, right? Like you, you get a couple years out of yours. There was a, there was a couple years that I went new bow, new bow, new bow, like three or four years in a row. And, and I tell you what, I, I didn't mind it, but I had more free time back then. Now I don't necessarily have the free time. So it was awesome at the beginning of this past year to just pick my bow up, know it was on. And I I, self-admittedly, I'm not an all year shooter. Like this winter I did not shoot. So I don't shoot all year long and there's going to come a time here where I need to start, you know, I need to take it in and get it serviced and stuff. But the best part is, is when you don't need to change strings, it's in the ballpark, right? It may not be right on if you just let it set, but it's in the ballpark because strings stretch and things like, and you know, all that stuff. So you get, you get set up, you shoot, make some minor adjustments and it's in little to no time you're back on again. And so I, uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, starting to shoot again. However, I got this shoulder issue I'm dealing with right now. And I, I bet you if I picked my bow up, I couldn't, I couldn't draw it back. I'm, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow to see if I can't get a, like a cortisone shot in it. Oh, Dan. Yeah. Is, is this the year that I shoot a crossbow? (laughs) (laughs) Is this the year that Dan picks up a crossbow and, uh, has a doctor's note? Don't, do you have to have a, are crossbows legal in Iowa? No, you got to have a doctor's note at my age. Yep. Okay. All right. So man, let's, let's hope this isn't the year, but if it is, I'm, I'm, I sense another episode coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. And so I've mentioned this on the nine finger Chronicles crossbows have their place. I, I am not against them. And this would, this would be a perfect example of how a crossbow can be effective for someone who is injured. Like I would rather shoot a compound bow, but I also don't want to miss hunting season. Therefore, if a doctor thinks my, 
uh, arm is injured enough or my shoulder is injured enough, then I can get a note and I can take advantage of the law that is in place. Uh, crossbows are also legal for those, I think, over 60 or 65 in the state of Iowa. And then they're okay. also they're also legal as a primitive weapon during the late season. So I can, you know, a person could use a crossbow during the late season time frame in Iowa. And and so it's not like they're they're outlawed or illegal. It's just they're not legal for capable people in the archery season here in Iowa. So without a doctor's permit or if you're handicapped or if you're senior citizen or something like that. So, man, I can't, I cannot wait to see Dan Johnson slinging bolts at a hundred yards. Right. Uh, isn't that what, isn't that what it's like? You just deer comes out at a hundred yards. You I just guess. Sling one down. Or- I get, I tell you, I tell you what, if I had a crossbow in the tree with me and it was tuned up and ready to go this late season, I probably would have had 150 inch deer on the, on the ground or, or attempted a shot at one at, 75 80 yards wow yeah wow yeah so i don't know uh like knock on wood that my shoulder recovers or maybe i just have this year i have to back off my poundage a little bit but man that would suck like for that (laughs) if that if that happened oh i love it i love it any any tweaks to your to your bow so i made the switch last year uh, on my site. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always, I've always hated peep sites. Um, always hated looking through a peep site. I just, I just don't feel like I have a good, um, I guess site window with the peep and pen. So I swapped over to a red dot site on my bow, um, which has been really, really interesting. And this year I'm, I think I'm going to stick with it and just go ahead and get rid of the peep site. Cause you don't need a peep on it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but an adjustable red dot is, is what the, the company is called. And it, I've been very, very happy with it. Okay. Very happy. And so I take it that takes batteries. It does. Okay. Yep. So yep. in Iowa, your archery tackle cannot be lit or use power. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I, I couldn't use that in Iowa. Oh, red dot, man, that yep. sucks. Yep. Okay. Yeah, which it's fine with me, right? I got a range finder. I got my setup. I, I I use a peep sight, you know. I like a kisser button for the for just the points of contact, you know, the nose, the uh, finger. I put my thumb or my my nub actually on my finger right here by my ear. So I have one, two, three, you know, three contact points on my face and head. Uh, and then my peep site lines up the site and I feel, you know, that that's how I do it. It might be a little bit overkill, but that's where I, that's where I gain my confidence in doing that, that repetitively. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's one of the things I've liked about the red dot. And I, I guess I need to look into the regulations a little bit more if I'm going to be traveling this fall. But um, one of the things I've liked about the red dot is if you don't have good form, then you can't see the dot. It disappears. Yeah. yeah. So if your bow is, one direction or the other you can't see the dot and for me you know especially hunting out of a saddle and sometimes taking shots in really weird positions i like that if i can see the dot i know my form is good yeah at least at least good enough yeah man there's there's some situations where i'd get nervous if i had that type of technology on my bow because there's times where you got to like duck down or you got to tilt your bow a little bit or you got to lean back or 
or be out of perfect form for your shot. And yep. if I, I would lose my mind if that dot wasn't coming on, but I had a deer at 20 yards that I could have shot. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. So yeah. And with, with, pra- with, with a little bit of practice, you get, you get real, it, it becomes kind of second nature of fixing yeah. what you need to mostly torque left to right, yep. you know, in, in your wrist and you can kind of fix that. But, but yeah, that would certainly cause a, a panic moment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Um, Let's see. So I'll, I'll, I know, see, there's, there's a really good chance I'm drawing Kansas this year, which means I'm going to be really mobile down in Kansas. Uh, and so I am going to be jump jumping in more. I, I, I hunted a couple times out of a saddle this past year, this year it's going to be way more just because of where I'm going to be going and how I'm going to be hunting. Uh, and so, that's going to open up, you know, open up a whole new window for me as far as, you know, the, the, the gear that I'm using for mobile hunting. Uh, a lot of the, the tree stand is going to be the tree stands. I feel like are going to, they're going to play their role in certain scenarios. Uh, and just like the guys at tethered say, you know, Hey, we're not trying to take away your tree stands. We're just trying to provide you with another tool in your kill kit basically. And so, and so that's why uh, I I like, I do like working with those guys because it's not like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta have a saddle. Uh, Because I, dude, I still hunt out of a tree stand a lot of the times too. And and this year I killed my deer out of a a pre-hung or a stand that I went in mobile, but I left it up and I came back to it during the rut. So it was, it was there because it was in a good spot. And so that's, that's where I killed my deer out of this past year. With that said, do you do any type of modifications to any of your equipment? Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously anytime I get a new saddle, I I'm going in and I'm, I'm tweaking all kinds of things. It may be putting loops of, uh, you know, extra Molly loops on a certain part. It may be adding paracord loops so that I can haul my sticks up a little bit better. Um, you know, any saddle gets, gets tweaking. I'm, I may be hunting out of a new saddle this year. That is, that is yet to be seen, but mm. Uh, I'm gonna stick with the same one. I know I need to re-stealth strip pretty much all of my gear, all of my climbing sticks. I'm yeah. I'm a little bit fanatical when it comes to uh, stealth stripping things, just because um, you know when you're I have a harder time when I'm being super mobile, especially in new and unfamiliar places. I have a much harder time putting the effort in to be quiet. You know, right. I'll, I'll you know just get in a rush or you get inside your head or you got other things on your mind. And, uh, so that's probably the biggest, uh, I guess, modification that I make to everything is, is just trying to really silence everything Yeah, and then dial it in. So, um, I'm, man, I'm still rocking the old lone wolf sticks. Those may get, um, a little bit of extra modding this year with, uh, maybe putting some double steps on them. Yeah. I've got one stick that's got the double steps instead of the single, you know, flop left or right kind of, method of those old sticks yep. and i like that a lot better of having a, a two sticks to stand on especially when you're you know hanging from a saddle and and trying to to get everything set up yeah yeah man i'll tell you this uh stealth strips are great they they're awesome but i just take it as I, I back it off of a stealth strip okay so here i'll tell you a little a funny story 
uh, I got kind of a creative hair um, in my butt one day, and I went to a, a sporting goods store, and I bought hockey tape. I bought a bicycle pedal. You wrap your pedal or your uh, your handlebars with the grip, tennis racket grip, baseball grip, and I I did all these things and I wrapped them. I wrapped the the sticks with all my lone wolf sticks with a variety of different methods there. And dude, I'm telling you, if it wasn't so expensive, base it wasn't it was tennis was it tennis racket grip? Could have been tennis racket grip. It had a little grit to it, and so mm. it was either it was either tennis racket grip or baseball grip for a baseball bat. And I, I'll tell you right now, it had a little grit to it, and and it, it had some good traction, so you could hold on to it. But it was also very lightly padded, and so it was not only quiet, but it had awesome grip to it. But that, so that would have been a more expensive option to wrap all of that. And I think it, it would have cost you like 30 bucks or 40 bucks to wrap four sticks at the time. Yeah. All right. So I went the other route uh, and I just bought green, like forest green or black hockey tape. And I wrapped my sticks in, in that. And man, it quiet, it actually does quiet it down a lot. But over two years, that it starts to fray just a little bit, in, in which case I'll just wrap another layer around it. So most of my most of my climbing sticks are wrapped in like for my mobile sets anyway, because I have a couple that are out hanging in trees that are my rut sets that they don't have any mods done to them at all. So the only modding that I really do is hockey sticks, hockey stick tape on my tree stand or on my climbing sticks for my mobile on my mobile sets only that other than that i, I don't yeah. do like all the that the one stick method or the you know the cables or the straps that they the additional stuff that they add i just i don't do that yeah no one one other cheap option for for tape and i actually switched to this probably two years ago maybe three years ago now uh, but I swapped over to using vet tape. It's just like a like a cloth bandage kind of tape. Yep. Um, it works pretty well. It's it's not nearly as durable, and it'll get like burrs and stuff stuck in it. But uh, you know, so you re- have to redo it every season. But for like three bucks, you can do all your sticks. Right. Um, you know, and it's and it's really really cheap. But man, I don't I don't know about you, but as my kids get older, I just don't have the time to tinker and mod things anymore. Like. No. I don't have a lot of time and I don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. but I've got more money than time these days. It feels like. Yeah. Um, and so I'm focusing a lot more on, on buying the right thing rather than buying something that I need to take home and tinker with and modify and, and all of that, because my hunting time is, is limited. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that when it's time to go, I've got to go and I've got a week or two weeks to get it done. And, and that's my window. You know, I don't right. have, a bunch of evenings to come down to the basement and tinker with stuff. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you another thing I did. I took apart a lone wolf stick and I sprayed the tube with uh spray on bed liner. And that was actually, that was actually really cool, man. It, it was black. It had kind of a rubber type gritty texture to it. And if I had the time, I would, I would take my stuff into like a, 
what's that spray in bed liner called? Uh, like rhino lining? Yeah, rhino lining or something like that. And take it to one of their dealerships and see if they would just experiment and coat one of my tree stand platforms in that stuff. And, oh, yeah. And quiet it down. It would quiet it down dramatically because it quieted my sticks down really well. But the only issue is it, gain, it, it gains mass on the stick. So it, it's real tight to stack the lone wolf sticks then at that point because all of the, the tubing is now bigger because of that extra coating on it. And so, yeah. and so I had to be creative in how I, you know, in, in how I stacked my sticks. Uh, I, then I learned that on the small portions where the sticks stack, I don't, I, I, I didn't spray them or I don't wrap them. So I, so yeah. the sticks stack perfectly well, but then outside of that, man, it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's legit. Yeah, so on a on a tree stand note, are you doing anything? I mean, you've got a pile of stands at this point. Yeah, uh, using kind of the same ones forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you are you trying anything new? I mean, the last two or three years, there have been a lot of new hang on stands hit the market. Yeah, I'm not opposed. They're in, yeah, they're intriguing. Yeah, I'm not opposed. Uh, a couple that kind of stick out uh, to me would be elevate the elevate. Um, lone wolf, lone wolf custom gear, the beast stand. Uh, the, the thing about some of this, these new, these really, I guess the, the new hang ons is if they do not adjust in the tree, like if I cannot adjust the platform or I cannot adjust level, then I'm not interested in it at all because there's options out there that do that. So Unfortunately, like some of the hawk tree stands, they don't do that. Um, trying to think of what's another hang on that I, I, I don't think. I think th- if you tinker with them a millennium, you might be able to uh, get a, you know, get that. But here's here's one thing that I thought would be cool for a, a new company, uh, like to start a new company. And that would be a bracket that you can hang on a tree that can connect to whether you make one bracket for millenniums, one brackets for summits, one bracket for, you know, whatever the brand is. And then it, that bracket attaches to the tree, then the tree stand attaches to it. And then you can level it based off of that bracket and that tree stand connection. And so oh, yeah. it, it, it makes any tree stand the, gives the it gives any tree stand the ability to be self leveling. Yeah, so the 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 bracket itself has the leveling component. You're not relying on the stand to be able to yeah. have a self leveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would you would be able to put this bracket on the tree, and then you could I don't know it, it would go one way or the other, and then you could slide your tree stand on onto it, but it's secure enough to where it wouldn't move. Yeah, man, I I really like that idea. Yeah. I really, I might have to steal that. You go for it. Go for it. Just uh, know who gave you the idea when you make millions off of it. <laughs> Just remember. Just remember. Remember my humble. Are there yeah. any other, uh, are there any other products out there like that, that you wish, you know, you could redesign or here, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm going to give you one more that I've been thinking about lately. All right. So lone wolf, right? 
the old lone wolves I've used the assault and the alpha for many years throw it on my back and I go into the woods right but it is even the assault with a smaller tree stand the the footprint of it is pretty big still compared to like if you're trying to compare it to a saddle so one thing that I thought would be some kind of folding platform to where you could fold it and then put the seat down and somehow just compact it down more than what it already is. Yeah, yeah, those those stands lay real flat, but if you could then again fold it into and make it kind of lock into each other, it might the the it might be a little thicker, but it won't be as wide. And you might be able to stick it in actually into a backpack or strap it to the side of your uh you know, to the side of your thing. Now, I don't know if that would, you know, I've, I'm obviously not a designer, so I don't know if that would take away from the stability of it or the functionality of it. But I just feel like there would be a place in the market for a collapsible hang-on tree stand that's ultra mobile because it packs down to the size of, I don't know, like a shoebox or something like that. Maybe, maybe even smaller. Fold it, unfold it here, unfold it here. By popping it up, you lock it into place, and and there you go. So, I don't know though. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like they 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 should be able to pull that off. I mean, because then you're looking at a at a profile that's what six inches thick, maybe, but you you don't you, you don't have the size necessarily. You can right. drop it down in your pack. I, right. I like that a lot. Right. Or or maybe like a it would be like a, a tripod, you know, the size of a folded down tripod. That you can slip into your at the actual container in your pack that you would put a tripod in, and then all you gotta oh, do yeah. is pull it out. And so, but I don't know, I don't know how. Like you would, ha- you would really have to mess around with putting hinges on it and being able to fold it up, and or or maybe it comes in multiple pieces to where you can uh, like put it together. And then by putting uh, an arm down across it or underneath the vid or something, I'm, I'm just brainstorming here, it would lock it into place. And there, so yeah. you, there would be a little bit of assembly required at the bottom of the tree. But once you lock it into place, it's not going anywhere. And so I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like there, there's room in the market for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think one more thing that I have been, I mean, I've, I've hunted almost exclusively. I mean, this year I only hunted out of a saddle and, and on the ground, mm-hmm. um, but almost exclusively out of a saddle for three years now, um, maybe four years. Um, one of the things that I'm not seeing from the, the saddle platform manufacturers, they're doing a good job of getting some adjustment. Like if you've got a leaning tree that's leaning away from you or to you, you know, with the way they cam over, you can get a good, you know, a good bite into the tree and then adjust it so that your feet are comfortable and everything. I would love to see the ability for the bottom of the platform to twist left to right so that the the post can be perfectly up and down with the tree so that you're getting maximum bite and you don't have to have that post at an angle on the tree or anything. Yeah. But you can take the, the bottom of the platform and twist it left to right, you know, depending on what you're uh, on what the tree is giving you as far as a lean, because there are a lot of just really wonky trees that yeah. you know, 
when you're saddle hunting, you can get into them. They're, you know, smaller than a, than a volleyball. They're tiny little trees that Mm -hmm. you can climb up into, but then you get there and they've got, you know, just a funky lean. It's not just in a perfect world, you know, they're straight or they're leaning away or leaning to you, but you know, maybe you want to be on the side of a tree. I find myself, you know, wanting to be on the side of a leaning tree quite a bit. And it'd be great if that platform could compensate for that instead of feeling like it's going to dump me off to the right or dump me off to the left. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Now, here's the way I look at it. A platform, uh, a saddle platform is literally just a tree stand with a smaller platform and no seat. It's really, it's really all it is. And so I feel like there should be, you know, like how the old lone wolves had the bat wing on the back that, that you can, you slide over and that adjusts everything. That's what, that's all they need. That's all they need on those to, to make that work. And so it's not the actual stand that needs to rotate. It's the top portion that connects to the tree and then you strap it in and then you cam, you know, you cam it down to where it would, where, where it would be stable. But if you haven't noticed it's patents that prevent some of these these other things from happening. Like uh, not all tree stands can have that type of technology on them because it's patented by another brand. But some, I'm not saying all, some of the, how do I put this, measurements are the same or very close to where maybe you could put some washers in between them. Take out what comes out there, take a bat wing off a lone wolf, put it on, and then, you know, put put the bolt back in that came with the original stand so it's all safe. Put the nut back on. Maybe there's some washers that need to go in there. Put it back on. And now you have an adjustable platform. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. It would be, I'm not recommending anybody do this. You'd have to look. You'd have to take it apart, make sure the measurements are the same. But there's that that could be a possible option. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one thing that I think, too, as people think about what they would like to see from a from a from a tree stand company or a saddle company or whatever one of the big things that i've been learning as i talk with more and more people who are involved with the design piece of some of these products it's it's that these patents there may be nothing else like it on the market mm-hmm. but the patent owned by somebody yep. and so they start signing it start working on the product they get an email or a letter from so-and-so's attorney that says hey we own a patent for that but the, and they're like well but you're not producing it it's like doesn't matter we right. own the patent right so you can either royalties or you can buy this patent from us or you can just not make this idea so a lot of this stuff that we think man why won't this come to market it's like well somebody out there owns the patent they're not producing it right now right. and they're just on the patent rather than uh you know letting it letting it come out and um you know i get it i mean intellectual property right you don't want to you don't want to start to to mess with that and take that away but um yeah it is a pain because there are a lot of products that we can dream up that at the end of the day very well could be on on the market it's just somebody's got a piece of paper somewhere that says nobody else can make it or yeah i did this first you know so yeah yeah, and that that, that's you know i look at something like that and i say it's only fair yeah so because i mean i've i've talked with several guys before who they have really good ideas uh, and they don't have they don't have the money to start the business off, or 
you know, or they're, you know, they have good ideas. They do start a business. It's much smaller. And then another company tries to rip them off and they don't have Mm -hmm. enough money to fight it in it, in the legal system. And so all I'll say is this, look at how certain risers in bows are right. And how there, there are certain, uh, how do I put this without giving it away too much? I'll, I'll just say this. There's a, a dual riser system that does have a patent on it. And as you will see, um, there are some bows that have dual, dual risers or not all the way through. So maybe that's the loophole, but once an idea comes to market, that is actually really good. Other companies will rip it off. I mean, man, we saw that at the ATA show a handful of years ago where, like, a, a legit company ripped off every, like, four or five products that this new company put out just so it could fill a skew and be, you know, and, and introduce it at the same time uh, at the market, and it was available for the upcoming year. And Now, I, I think they actually got in trouble for some of it, but... Uh, the rest, I mean, that's, it, it's not just the hunting industry. That's all over the place that, 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 yeah. that happens. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, anything else uh, hunting related that or hunt, uh, hunting gear related that we need to bring up today? Man, I don't think so. I'm uh, I'm slowly shifting away from, from turkey mindset at this point. So yeah. I'm sure there'll be some as we get into the summer and I start dreaming whitetails a little bit more, but I'm, I'm kind of mourning the loss of Turkey season right now. It's a, it's about to end here in Georgia and my tags and other States are filled. And uh, I think I'm pretty much done for the year. So I'm going to go cry for a little bit. And then, uh, then we'll think about whitetails. Don't cry. Just look forward to your next adventure, dude. Go fishing or something. That's right. Go fishing. So, well, Josh, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with us about gear. Uh, I'll talk to you when I talk to you, man. All right. Sounds good, brother. 